It's Tuesday, August 21st, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, on June 24th, 2018, I had the opportunity to preach on Psalm 146 in my church, the Church of Brook Hills in Birmingham, Alabama, for a series that we were doing on the Psalms. The sermon was entitled, The God Who Seeks the Outcast. And today is part three of that sermon, which includes parts points three and four, praising the Lord because he invites us to participate with him in reflecting his glory to the vulnerable, the stranger, and the fatherless, And we praise the Lord because his gospel is the power of God for salvation to the vulnerable, the stranger, the fatherless, and the world. And that brings us to the third way that we praise the Lord. We praise the Lord because he invites us to participate with him in reflecting his glory to the vulnerable, the stranger, and the fatherless. The call of the Bible is very strong to care for the weak, to care for the desolate, to care for the fatherless, to care for the widow. The the Old Testament is, is full of commands to God's people to care for the vulnerable, the weak, the fatherless, the stranger. And the New Testament, James makes it abundantly clear in James 1, 27, that for new covenant believers, they are not to ignore the orphan or the widow. James says religion is pure and undefiled, but for God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and affliction and to keep oneself unstained from this world. Many people think that orphan care is is just for a select few. It's just for some people. My dear friend, Dr. Rick Morton likes to say, if a pastor came and preached James 1.27 and he looked at the congregation and he said, James 1.27, when it talks about purity, that's just for a select few of you. The rest of you can go live however in the world you want to. This is just for some people. We would call that pastor a heretic. Yet we look at the other side of James 1.27 and it says that we are to execute and to visit and to care for the fatherless. And we go, that's for some people. Maybe if we're up in age, we say that's for young people. Maybe if we're young in age, we say that's for older people. We always have an excuse. But the truth of the matter is we are to get engaged. And I love that Psalm 146 verse eight Right? When, when, Jesus, when, when God is saying all these people, these are who he executes justice for, what does it say? It says, the Lord loves the righteous. Right in the middle of the list, there we are, the righteous, those that have been redeemed, the follower of God that's loved by God and supported by God is asked in this Psalm to participate in reflecting the glory of God. We are called to reflect the glory of God in the way we do justice. Kay Arthur of Precept Ministries defines the call to reflect the glory of God in such a profound way. She says this, we are to live in such a way as to give all creation a correct opinion or estimate as to who God is. The apostle Paul says this to the church of Corinth. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So beloved, we are called to join the work of the Lord in bringing liberty to the captives, healing to the sick and blind and bringing validation to the orphan, the widow, the alien. Luke 4, 18 through 19, which we looked at earlier where Jesus was was speaking and quoting out of Isaiah 61. It says, it was not just a pronouncement of Jesus as the Messiah, but it was an outline of his mission for the church. He gave that mission to us as his redeemed people. But this morning, I want us to see that when we join Jesus, when we enjoy God in gospel-driven justice, there's two common mistakes that we can make. 
The first is limiting poverty to the physical. We can limit poverty to the physical. Gospel-driven justice is just not, is not just about physical, it's about spiritual justice. Revelation 3, 17 through 18, it says, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and the salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see You see, beloved, the arrogant, self-satisfied, overly indulgent American is just as utterly poverty-stricken and miserable without the Lord and in the eyes of our Lord as are the physically poor. And so we must preach the gospel. Zacchaeus had amassed the world's riches. Yet in Luke 19, 2, when he meets Jesus, when he comes face to face with Jesus, he knew he was spiritually bankrupt. And he said, everything that I have, I sell, I surrender everything that I may follow the Lord Jesus. Jesus came to free those in bondage. I've traveled all around the world. I've been to Ethiopia and I've been into slums in Ethiopia. I've been into the the, the bush in Ethiopia. And I've met men and women who didn't have two nickels to rub together, but they had the glory of Christ Jesus on their lips and they were praising him in such adoration. And they were caring for orphans in their distress right there without much resource, but the praise and the glory of God. You see the poverty we are called to alleviate is not just physical but it's spiritual in nature. So let us not just look at poverty as those who are poor, but those who are without Christ. And that brings us to the second mistake we make in the mission, ignoring physical and social poverty. We can't sit back and think that we're following Jesus when we feel no compassion and take no action on behalf of people who are materially in poverty, those who are hungry, those who are captured unjustly behind iron bars, those who are physically afflicted with disease like blindness, those who are oppressed by human power brokers and children separated at the US-Mexico border. We can't look back and not have compassion as God's people if the gospel of Jesus Christ is beating in our chest. Isaiah 58.10, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and you satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. James 2, 14 through 18. What good is it, my brothers? If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. First John 3, 17 through 18. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not just love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. We cannot ignore the physically poor. Our theology will affect our biography. Our theology will affect our biography. What will people say about us? What we believe about God will affect the way we live, the way we act and the way we worship. A.W. Tozer says, the most important thing about you is what you think about God. The truth of the matter is we don't have a shortage today of teaching the word of God. We have a shortage of application and mobilization. We need not only talk the talk, but begin walking out justice for the physically and socially poor. So that brings us to our last point. Compassion and justice are an act of worship So number four, we praise the Lord because his gospel is the power of God for salvation to the vulnerable, the stranger, the fatherless, and the world. 
Psalm 146, verse 10, it ends this way. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There is life in no one but the God of Jacob. Justice must never be divorced from gospel proclamation. Our homes, our neighborhoods, our pocketbooks, and our influence will never make an everlasting impact in the hearts, lives of the fatherless and the vulnerable. But the gospel, oh, the gospel will make an everlasting impact. After Jesus quoted from Isaiah 61 in Luke 4, 18 through 19, we see Luke's gospel report what those in the synagogue wanted to do to Jesus. It says in verse 28 and 29, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of town and they brought him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down off the cliff. Jesus had been saying to them, the kingdom I I am proclaiming is ethnically different than what you think. Your chosen place as Israel has not produced humility and compassion, but pride and scorn. Jesus was saying to them, I'm the end of ethnocentrism. Look to me, learn from me, he says. I have come to redeem a people from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation, and from every people group. Jesus was telling his Jewish hometown audience, woe to you for the failure to see justice and mercy. God is a part of this zeal to gather a people and a king, to make a kingdom that will not end. Beloved, our justice is not about just giving a nice, warm, comfy home to orphans and widows. It's not just about putting food in the belly of the hungry. It's not just about giving money to the poor. Our gospel is what drives our justice. And we must proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when we do gospel-driven justice around the world, when we do gospel-driven justice in neighborhoods that don't look like us, we are proclaiming the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is not a white kingdom and it's not a Jewish kingdom. It's not an European gospel, an American gospel, an Asian gospel. It is a worldwide gospel. And we must proclaim this gospel. Adoption was never plan B for God, but it was always plan A as he wanted to adopt a multi-ethnic people for himself. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.